This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Sunday, January 12, 2020. On this day in 1995, 34-year-old Kabila Shabazz was arrested for plotting to assassinate Nation of Islam leader Louis Farrakhan. But her motivations weren't political. She was allegedly seeking revenge for the 1965 assassination of her father, Malcolm X. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the arrest of Malcolm X's daughter, Kabila Shabazz, who allegedly planned to murder Nation of Islam leader Louis Farrakhan. Let's go back to the morning of January 12, 1995. January in Minneapolis was cold, even inside Kabila Shabazz's cozy little apartment. The walls didn't block out the chill, nor the radiator. It was a harsh, pure cold, untempered by the million watts of electricity that lit up the New York winters Kabila was used to. But Kabila didn't like to think back on New York too much. It sent her down a dangerous path, reminding her of her last few years there, the drinking and the odd jobs and the constant reliance on her mother. She hadn't been able to care for her son, not well, and the poor kid suffered for it. The past few years weren't the worst though. The worst was when she thought back further, when suddenly she was a little kid again, four years old, watching her dad fall to the ground at the Harlem Ballroom, his body riddled with bullets. Malcolm X, that monolith, the man who barely got to raise her. Things were better now in Minneapolis, despite the cold. She'd been there since September, far away from all that history, and she had Fitzpatrick to rely on. Good old Michael Fitzpatrick, She'd known him since high school, but who would have thought they'd end up here? Lovers, her little boy calling him dad. He was a good man, or seemed like it at least. Things had turned strange lately. There was the episode about the eviction. Kabila lost touch with Fitzpatrick briefly when his roommates told her they'd kicked him out. There was the instance where he asked her for money. $250. But Kabila had let enough things in her life strangle in the cords of mistrust. She was exhausted of it. Sometimes her mother's voice echoed even through these distant streets, carried on the back of the piercing wind. The words she'd said on WNBC TV's news forum earlier this year, especially. 
The question had been whether or not Dr. Betty Shabazz thought Louis Farrakhan played a part in her husband's 1965 assassination. The same assassination four-year-old Kabila had witnessed. Dr. Shabazz's response, her mother's response, had been the same one Kabila had heard around the house for decades. Of course, yes, nobody kept it a secret. It was a badge of honor. Everybody talked about it. That pain, that betrayal, colored Kabila's whole life. Her father had been Farrakhan's mentor. Then they became enemies. To see care turn to hate, turn to blood, it sent a clear message. Love is dangerous. But Kabila chose Fitzpatrick anyway, chose to accept his love, chose to love him madly, to trust him. That was a mistake. It was still early on the morning of January 12th when the police came for her. She was, they said, a would-be assassin, looking for her father's revenge. And it was all on Fitzpatrick's word. Coming up, we'll hear about the case against Kabila and the unlikely coalition that came to her defense. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. 34-year-old Kabila Shabazz was arrested on the morning of January 12th 1995, she was charged with conspiring to murder Louis Farrakhan, leader of the Nation of Islam. According to Kabila's mother, Dr. Betty Shabazz, Farrakhan was a key figure in the assassination of Kabila's father, civil rights activist Malcolm X. The two had previously been allies. Malcolm X is widely regarded as an early mentor for Farrakhan but differing approaches to the 1960s fight for civil rights eventually drove the men apart. Dr. Shabazz wasn't the only one to think this rift led Farrakhan to play a role in Malcolm X's murder, though he was never charged. Kabila Shabazz also held this belief. Which caused the government and Kabila's lover, Michael Fitzpatrick, to assign her alleged crime a motive, revenge. Prosecutors claimed that in May of 1994, Kabila reached out to Fitzpatrick and asked him to kill Louis Farrakhan. She was allegedly afraid that after her mother publicly claimed Farrakhan was responsible for her father's death, Farrakhan would come for Dr. Shabazz too. Little did she know, Fitzpatrick was an FBI informant. He immediately apprised the FBI of her request and then, at their behest, strung her along and discussed the idea with her further. His love for her, their relationship, was all just a cover. He was paid $45,000 
for his trouble. And now, thanks to his betrayal, Kabila faced 90 years in prison and a fine of up to $2.25 million, about $3.8 million in 2019. Kabila signed what the FBI considered a confession. She admitted that she and Fitzpatrick had a plan to kill Farrakhan, and the plot was her idea. But that was before she knew it was Fitzpatrick who sold her out to the feds. Once she learned of his betrayal, she qualified the confession. She claimed that she only accepted responsibility for the assassination plot because she thought Fitzpatrick was in trouble with the FBI, and she loved him. She'd do whatever she could to help protect him, even if that meant taking responsibility for a crime she never meant to commit. Really, she'd only suggested Fitzpatrick kill Farrakhan as a joke. Then Fitzpatrick had pushed her to make the joke a reality, despite her own reluctance. She never truly intended to be part of an assassination for Farrakhan or otherwise. Her lawyer, Scott Tilson, leaned into this version of events. He argued that Kabila was set up by Fitzpatrick and emphasized that she was an easy, defenseless target. She was still scarred by the loss of her father and afraid for her mother, too. This was a vulnerable woman, Tilson insisted. The FBI, through Fitzpatrick and his alluring promises of love, took advantage of Kabila's pain, using it to turn her into a criminal. In a remarkable turn of events, Kabila's defense found support in the unlikeliest of people, Louis Farrakhan. When he found out it was Kabila Shabazz who was charged with an assassination attempt on his life, he spoke out on her behalf, claiming that he did not think she was guilty. He hoped she would not be convicted. It's hard to say what his motivations are. Perhaps he simply saw injustice at play in Kabila's manipulation by the FBI. Or perhaps he wanted to mend his rift with the Shabazz family. But regardless, he even banded together with Dr. Shabazz to raise money for Kabila's legal fees. They shook hands on the stage of New York's Apollo Theater in front of a packed room. On May 1, 1995, five months after Kabila's arrest, prosecutors agreed to drop all charges as long as several conditions were met. Kabila would undergo psychiatric and addiction treatment and she would accept responsibility for her plot to kill Farrakhan. She accepted the conditions and went on to meet them. Perhaps, finally, helping close the book on a tragic chapter for her family without bloodshed. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more information on Malcolm X and Louis Farrakhan, check out our episodes of ParCast Original, Assassinations, which dive deeper into the case. Today in True Crime is a ParCast Original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast Originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, 
But now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Andy Waits, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Carly Madden. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Rini Thomas-Rodriguez, with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Richardson.